Great. What a powerful time of worship today together. And uh, so glad to have each and every one of you with us today. And uh, this morning, um, so thankful we get uh, our speakers back with us from yesterday. And we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks of them coming and sharing. And uh, they're coming to share not only personal stories, but their faith in God, of what God has done in their lives. And uh, God, they, God's allowed them to speak all over our nation in churches and prisons. And they're here today to share with us. And I know some of you came in and said, oh, this is just only going to be for men because I saw the deer there in the back. And, but no, it's for everybody today, right? And uh, as your hearts are open and ready to receive the word of the Lord, today. I'd like to uh, have a big welcome put up for Mark and Dan Witt. Would you give them a great big hand clap and welcome them to Abundant Life Church. God bless you as you come. Good morning. It is great to be here with you this morning. And I am Dan Witt. I'm the older of the two brothers. And uh, you'll notice I have more hair than Mark. They were giving out all kinds of free haircuts yesterday. Unfortunately, Mark didn't win one, but, but neither did I. Um, this morning, we want to share a little bit about our story. Um, if you aren't familiar with our story, we have a table out back. Our story appeared in Field and Stream magazine a couple of years ago and became the number one article ever in Field and Stream. It's a story of tragedy, but it also shares our faith. So if you're interested, we have that story back there. We have our gospel tracks, Mistaken Identity, and we also have copies of a DVD of the message that Mark will preach this morning and our testimony if you're interested. So stop back, see us at our table. The morning was December 14, 1974. My dad was sitting under a hemlock tree on the last day of the Pennsylvania deer season, the last day of buck season. And as he sat under that tree, he was preparing a message that he had planned to preach that next day. Kenny Corns, a pastor there, near Cumberland, Maryland, was on a missions trip, and he, had, he told my, asked my dad, he said, Walt, I've got a, I'm doing a series on heaven, and tomorrow's the end of it. Would you finish this message series up for me? My dad was an earth science teacher, but he would be, do lay minister work on weekends, and so he was sitting there under that tree with his notes out, reading from the book of Revelation about what John was describing what heaven looked like. And as an earth science teacher, my dad studied rocks. I have no idea why, but that's what he studied was rocks. It's a, it didn't, it never, I never understood that. But John was describing the streets of pure gold and how the gates were made of these precious stones of sapphire and, and, sapphire and, and all these different precious stones. And I can imagine as my dad was reading this, he was picturing what John was describing. And in an instant, a hunter that was off to my dad's left shot a bullet that went through my dad's temple and killed him instantly. I can't imagine what that was like for dad because in an instant, he was where he was reading about. We don't get to pick where we go or the time we get to go. But I think that that would be a pretty amazing thing. And I can only imagine my dad saying, Paul or John, you have really underestimated what this place really looks like. So my dad that morning when he died, he was not planning to die that morning. None of us planned to die today. But my dad was prepared. 
And that's the most important thing. Mark went on to finish Dad's message and, and gave his own touch to it. And Mark will be preaching a message today. If you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? The most important answer to any question that you can give. As you, if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me today to Luke chapter 16. We're going to read a familiar passage beginning in verse 19. Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sore. There was a time when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let, they, let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity for Mark and I to be in Abundant Life Church. I pray that you would speak through Mark and that your Holy Spirit would reach into the hearts of folks here today. And that if there is someone here who does not know where they would spend eternity if today was their last day, I pray, Lord, that they would make that decision today, that your Holy Spirit would convict them and that they would make that decision. I pray that you would use Mark's words today. I love you. I thank you so much, Lord, that you died on the cross for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Dan. Good morning, everybody. It is a privilege for Dan and me to be here this weekend. Uh, I want to thank Tony for inviting us. Uh, he contacted us last October, actually, and we have been praying for this weekend since October. So it is no accident that you are here. Uh, we saw an amazing uh, thing this weekend. We saw nine guys get saved yesterday. Yeah, so. we, we serve an awesome Lord and Savior, so thank you to everybody who uh, participated and worked uh, that event. I work for the Department of Defense. I have for 27 years. I work on Redstone Arsenal. My older daughter Hannah is here with me this weekend. Uh, if you have a pencil and a paper, uh, please get that out. I'm going to give you a lot of Bible references today. You're going to want to look up these verses. Uh, I talk really fast. I'm an engineer. Uh, <laughs> did you hear the one about the pastor and the uh, two deacons who went deer hunting? And this big buck comes running up between them and they all shoot and the buck goes down. And the pastor goes, man, that's the biggest buck I've ever shot. And the deacon goes, what are you talking about? I got it. And the pastor knows, no, clearly, that was my buck. I shot it. 
And the other deacon goes, I don't know what you two are talking about. That's my buck. I shot it. And they're sitting there arguing, and the two deacons and the pastor, and this game warden drives up, and he goes, what's the problem? And the pastor goes, I shot this buck, and the two deacons think they got it. And game warden goes, let me go over and look. And so he looks at it, and I, well, clearly I can tell who got it. And the pastor goes, who got it? And, and the game warden goes, the pastor shot it. It's clearly the pastor's deer. And the pastor goes, see, I told you it was my deer. And the dean goes, well, how can you tell it's the pastor's deer? And he says, well, look, the bullet went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> okay, don't let this sermon be like that. And hopefully your pastor's sermons don't be like that. This sermon this morning is particularly for you. Not your spouse, not your children, not the person next to you. It's for you. Our, our pastor did a sermon series on Song of Solomon recently on how husbands and wives should treat each other. And every time I got to a point on how wives should treat their husbands, I was elbowing my wife, Carla. Write that one down, sweetie. This one isn't like that. This message is particularly for you. So just imagine it's you and me and, and the Holy Spirit here today. If you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? So... I'd like to ask you this. Do you know one thing that will keep you from Christ more than anything else? It's religious pride. When you say, I already know that, I've already heard that, it could actually dull your spiritual senses to the Word of God. Sometimes when you hear the Word of God again and again, you can essentially enter into a place of complacency, a place of apathy. You might even find yourself asleep. Each one of us, according to the Bible, will spend eternity in heaven or in hell. As Dan just read, rich man and Lazarus, the rich man appeared to have everything on earth, the fine clothes, the linen, the fine house, but he lacked one thing, because when he died, he went to hell. He didn't go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because he did not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The beggar appeared to have nothing on earth, but he had one thing that mattered. He had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you realize right now this morning the rich man is in hell? trying to get saved. The Bible says we will spend eternity either in heaven with Christ or separated from Christ in hell. Now, in Alabama where I'm from, there's a 100% death rate. I believe there is here in Virginia too. <laughs> Hebrews 9, 27 and 28, as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. What does the Bible say about hell? Do you realize the New Testament says more about hell than it does about heaven? Some people believe in hell for other people, for those who do awful things. Maybe somebody has gotten away with a horrible crime and they haven't been caught yet. So we say, well, they're going to get theirs one day. What we're really saying is, is there is a final judgment. However, we don't like the prospect of facing judgment for ourselves. Yet if a person ends up in hell, that is his or her own choice. This is not what God wants. Hell is a prison in which the doors are locked from the inside. Let me share with you what the Bible says about hell. Revelations 9, chapter 2, the description of hell. And he opened a bottomless pit, and there arose smoke out of the pit as the smoke of the great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the reason of the smoke of the pit. Matthew 8, 12, hell is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth and darkness. It says, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth for eternity. Mark 9, 48, hell is a place of unquenchable fire, where the worm dies not, where the fire is not quenched. You realize the rich man was begging for just a few drops of water. Now, a lot of guys I've worked with over the years will tell me, Mark, if I die and go to hell, I'll just go there. My friends and I will sit around the fire. We'll roast marshmallows, hot dogs, and we'll drink a cold beer. 
No, you won't. You will be in outer darkness for eternity, begging to get saved, begging to get out of hell. Revelation 14.10, hell is a place where God's wrath is poured out. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of indignation, and you shall be tormented with fire and brimstone. 2 Thessalonians 1.9, hell is a place of everlasting destruction. It says, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the very presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Hell is a very literal place. You will have permanent separation. I think one of the most painful things about hell is, is you will remember. The rich man remembered his brothers and did not want his brothers to come to hell. If you die and go to hell, you will remember this sermon. You will remember every sermon your pastor ever preached. You will remember your spouse, your parents, your Sunday school teacher telling you you needed to get it right that you needed to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The rich man remembered. Everybody knows John 3.16, that if you die and you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you'll have everlasting life in heaven. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you'll have everlasting life separated from Jesus Christ in hell. If you put stars in your Bible, or if you mark your Bible up, put a star next to this, this verse, John 14.6. Dan and I talked yesterday. We're both very successful hunters. And, and I'm kind of curious. How many people hunt in here or fish? Some of you. A lot of you do. Okay. If you hunt or fish, there's many different ways to be successful and take a deer, for example. You can hunt with a rifle. You can use a, a, a shotgun. You can use a, a bow. You can use a pistol. And I'm kind of curious. Some of you in here use your pickup trucks or cars <laughs> to take deer. Yeah. I know many of you do that, too. The Bible says there's only one way to get to heaven, to get to God. John 14, 6. Put a star next to this. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way. Very narrow way. There is only one way to get to God. People will tell me, no, Mark, there's, there's many different ways. Like I said, I'm an engineer and I'm very visual. And I can remember years ago seeing this poster and it had this mountain. And on this mountain were all these roads. And they were going this way and this way and this way. And they all basically went to the top. And it said, it doesn't matter which road you get on, just get on one. They all lead to the same place. Well, that's a lie from the pit of hell if you think all roads lead to God. See, I live in Alabama. And if I had got on 75 South the other day, I'd be in Florida right now. I wouldn't be here. All roads don't lead to the same place. A lot of people will say, well, Mark, I believe if I obey the Ten Commandments or follow the Golden Rule or if I come to church or a certain denomination or if I get baptized or if I don't look at pornography or if I tithe, God said there is one way to, to heaven. A lot of people will tell me, but Mark, I believe God is going to get out of scales one day and he's going to look at my good works and my bad works. And if I'm just a little bit better than I was bad, God's going to let me into heaven. Do you know how many sins you get to commit before you're on your way to hell? One. And the Bible says, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. So your scales automatically goes like this if there was one, but there is no scales. We have all sinned. We are saved by grace. Put stars next to this, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you are saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
you can't be good enough to get to heaven. I can't preach long enough. I can't teach long enough. I can't give long enough. I can't do enough good things to get to heaven. You are not saved by your good works. One of our pastors said something recently, and I wrote this down. In the world today, there are 4,200 different religions. 4,200. You know what 4,199 of them say? Do something. D-O. Come to church, get baptized, follow the golden rule, obey the Ten Commandments, fly planes into towers and kill infidels. Do something to earn your salvation. Do you know what Christianity says? Which isn't a religion, it's a relationship. It says done, D-O-N-E. Remember when Jesus Christ died, he said, it is finished. I've paid the price, it is complete. That's the difference between Christianity and the other 4,199. It is finished. The Ten Commandments. A lot of people say, but Mark, I'm really good. I'm following those Ten Commandments. I believe I can make it in that way. If you tell a lie, what are you? We're all liars, right? Everybody do this. Yes? If, if you take something that isn't yours, what are you? We're all thieves, right? Everybody do this. If I look at your stuff and you have some really nice cars, houses, whatever it is, I'm coveting in my heart, if I want it really bad, if I look at a lady with impure thoughts in my heart, I'm committing adultery in my heart. If I say God's name in an unkind way, it says I'm blaspheming. Now, that's five of the ten. Now, think of this. There's people who honestly say this. Mark, when I stand before God, I'm going to tell them the Ten Commandments. God, I, I tried to follow the Ten Commandments. I know I'm a liar. I know I'm a thief. I know I'm a coveter. I know I've committed adultery in my heart. I know I've blasphemed. Boy, when you say those out loud, they really sound bad, don't they? And that's only five of the ten. And then there's a verse that says if you've broken one of the commandments, you've broken them all. You're not going to stand before God and show him the ten commandments and show him that you've kept the ten commandments because nobody has kept the ten commandments. The ten commandments, the law, simply show our shortcomings. Christ fulfilled the law when he died on the cross. He took our shame, our failures, our sins on himself and he transferred the righteousness of our, onto our account. The law was conditional, but Christ's redemption is unconditional, unmerited final. Galatians 2.16, know that a person is not justified, declared righteous by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put on our faith in Jesus Christ that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one is justified. Romans 3.28, therefore we conclude that a man is not justified, or he is justified by faith, not by the works or the deeds of the law. Think of the best thing you've ever done in your entire life. The best thing. If you were going to hold that up to God and say, this is why you ought to let me into heaven. Do you know what God said that is? In his eyes, that's like filthy rags. That's like leprosy cloths. Isaiah 64.6 if we held up the best thing we ever did, it says God looks at them as unclean things. It says all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags as leprosy cloths. It makes him sick to think that his son, Jesus Christ, would die on the cross to make a way for us to go to heaven. And then we try to hold up something we've done and say, here, God, this is why you ought to let me into heaven. We are not going to hold up something that we've done. We're not going to work long enough, do enough things to get to heaven. Titus 3.5. Not by works of righteousness, good deeds that we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. 
Perhaps you still believe that you're good enough to get to heaven. Let's look in the Bible at some good people. If, if they came into church today, they'd be down front. And if we looked at them on the outside, we'd say, well, if anybody was going to heaven, it would probably be these people. In the book of Matthew, chapter 7, look at what these people say. These are the, the religious, really good people. It says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the, heaven, the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of the Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name have we cast out devils, and in your name have we done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You realize there's pastors in America today and around the world who are up preaching who are going to die and go to hell. Because they're preaching, thinking that if they preach long enough, if they do enough good works, God's going to let their scales go this way and let them into heaven. And God says, depart from me, I never knew you. You can't be good enough to get into heaven. Billy Sunday said, hell is the highest reward the devil can offer you for being a servant of his. What does Jesus say about the hypocrisy of religious people? Seven times in Matthew 23, he says, woe to you, scribes, you Pharisees. He accuses them of being hypocrites, blind gods, blind fools, blind men, and snakes. He even says they are like dirty dishes and tombs, clean on the outside, but dirty on the inside. Now let's look at a bad person. If this guy came to church today, he'd probably stay out in the lobby. If we looked at him on the outside, we'd say, wow, I don't think he's going to make it. Actually, this guy was so bad, he was on a cross dying for his sins. You, you remember the scene. Jesus is dying on the cross, dying for all of us because he's perfect. And then on each side of Christ is two thieves dying. Remember in Luke chapter 23? And it says, one of the thieves which was hanged railed on him. And he's yelling and he's screaming and he deserves to be there. And he's looking at Christ and he's going, if you're, you know, get us down off the cross. And he's, and he's yelling and screaming. And then over here is another thief doing the same thing. And then he looks at Christ and he says, you really are God's son. And Jesus says, I'm it. I'm the only way to heaven. And he says, would you remember me today? And Jesus looks at him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. Don't miss this. Hands down, feet down. He became a Christian. He turns to Christ, realizes he's a sinner, and he accepted that free gift. That's what salvation is. Have you done that? Not the person next to you. Have you done that? He turns to Christ. He deserves to be on the cross. He's being punished for his sins, and he realizes he's about to die and go to hell, and he accepts Jesus Christ, and Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, some of you, I know what you're thinking. Because we've talked to a lot of people, and you believe, but Mark, you don't know me. I'm really, 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 really good, and I think I can make it. <laughs> Do you realize that if you really and honestly believe you can get to heaven based on your good works, there is a book in heaven that has every one of your good works listed in them? Did you know that? And if you plan on showing them to God one day, he's going to show you your good works. You ready for this? Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which was in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. 
And this is the saddest verse in the Bible. And whosoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? My daddy often talked about people missing heaven by 18 inches. And I would hear him say that, and I was thinking, how can people miss heaven by 18 inches? Head knowledge, but not a heart knowledge. They have the knowledge up here in their head, but they've never, like the thief on the cross, turned to Jesus Christ and realized, I need Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So let me ask a, a really silly question. How many people in here this morning are planning on going to hell one day? Raise your hand real high. Anybody? You've done a great job, Pastor. Nobody's planning on going to hell. Let me show you what the Bible says. Two roads, Matthew chapter 7, very wide road. Millions of people on this road. You ask anybody on this road, where does it lead? I'm going to heaven. What have you done? Maybe I, I go to church, got baptized, followed the golden rule, obeyed the Ten Commandments. Maybe I flew planes into towers. You realize the guys that flew the planes into the towers on 9-11 thought they were going to heaven, right? They were very sincere. They died for their faith. They're in hell today. All these people on this wide road, millions of people on the wrong road, and they don't even know it. They get to the end, and God says, depart from me. I never knew you. They're trying to do something to earn their way to heaven. Over here, a very narrow road. This road leads to God, to heaven. These people in this road have done one thing. They put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ plus nothing else. Which road are you on? People will come up and tell Dan and me all the time, Mark, I thought for sure I was on the right road. I didn't even realize I was on the wrong road. See, this is where Satan wants everybody on this wide road. Means the people in church this morning are on this wide road and they don't even know it. This road leads to hell. The Bible says there is one way to God, and it's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. See, my daddy was shot and killed right before Christmas. I was 12 years old, first time I hunted with him, and we had the funeral right before Christmas. And I can remember walking into church, and there was my dad's casket. And he came, and I, I thought my dad was faking it, I thought he was sleeping. And, I, and I, he had his arms folded, and I came running down, and I grabbed my dad's hand, and I went, wake up! You ever touch a dead body? That's the first dead body I ever touched, and I think the only one. And I jerked my hand back. It was ice cold. And I realized my daddy was dead. But as a 12-year-old, I knew one thing. I knew one thing about my daddy. I knew I'd see my daddy again one day. Not because he taught Dan and me to hunt and fish, because he took us to church, because he was nice to my mother. For one reason, my daddy had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So let me ask the dads who are here this morning. If you were to die today, would your wife, would your parents, would your children know where you were going to spend eternity? Nothing else matters. For you moms, for you teenagers, for you young people, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? Would your family know where you were going to spend eternity? The answer to that question is the most important answer that you will ever have. You can know for sure where you're going to spend eternity. See, right now I can tell you what's happening with a lot of you. Right now the Holy Spirit's knocking on your heart. Some of you are very uncomfortable in your seat. You know what that is? It's the Holy Spirit saying, get it right. You're on the wrong road. Some of you realize for the first time you're on the wrong road. You thought you had done everything you were supposed to do to get saved, and you're on the wrong road. And the Holy Spirit's saying, get on the right road. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't wait till tonight. Don't wait till tomorrow. The Bible says today is the day to get saved. 
I want to read a poem, and then I'm done. It's called The Spirit. The Spirit came in childhood and pleaded, let me in. But oh, the door was bolted by thoughtlessness and sin. I am too young, the child replied. I will not yield today. There's enough time tomorrow. So the Spirit went away. Again, he came and pleaded in you, sprite happy hour. But he came, but he heard no answer for Lord by Satan's power. And saying, not today, nor till I have heard earth's pleasure. So the Spirit went away. Again, he called in mercy and manhood's vigorous prime, but still he found no welcome. The merchant had no time, no time for true repentance, no time to think or pray. And so repulsed and saddened, the spirit went away. Once more he called and waited. The man was old and ill. He scarcely heard the whisper. His heart was cold and still. Go leave me, and when I need thee, I'll call for thee, he cried. Then sinking on his pillow, without a hope he died. That gentleman died and went to hell. What will you do with Jesus Christ? He will be your savior or he will be your judge. Would you please bow your head and close your eyes? I'd like to pray with you. Right now, some of you realize for the first time, Mark, I'm on the wrong road. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to trust Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. If you would like to do that all over this building, if you would like to trust Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, would you do me a favor and just look up at me so I can pray with you all over this building? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, ma'am. I'd love to pray with you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Right now, thank you, sir. Right now, the Holy Spirit's working. Give your life to Christ. Get on the right road. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for the honesty. Many people here today realize for the first time they're on the wrong road. They went on the narrow road that leads to heaven. Lord, when I was a young boy, my daddy led me in a prayer, and I prayed something like this. I said, Jesus... I know I'm a sinner, and I repent of my sins right now. Like the thief on the cross, I turn to you, and I accept your free gift of salvation. I believe that you died for me, that you were buried, and that you rose again, and that you're coming back one day. I ask you to come into my life and into my heart and save me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you that one day when I stand before God and he says, why should I let you into heaven? I will point to your son, Jesus, and say, because of Jesus Christ plus nothing. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Lord, for the many Christians who are in here, I pray that we'd rededicate and recommit our lives afresh and anew. We have family members, friends, co-workers, neighbors who are on a wide road and they don't even realize they're on the wrong road. Give us a boldness to hand them a track. Give us a boldness to invite them to church, to respond share Jesus Christ with them. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the many decisions that were made here this morning. We give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to be the first to welcome you into the family of God. Many of you made that decision this morning. Dan and I have a free book that we want to give you. It's called Beginning Steps, A Growth Guide to New Believers. Dan's going to come around. As he comes around, he'd like to put one of these in your hands. Just look up at him, raise your hand. We'd like to give you one of these want to thank you very much for allowing us to be here again we will be back at our table between the services if you have questions for us if you got saved today please let your pastor know please let your husband or wife know the greatest decision you ever made in your life is to trust jesus christ as your lord and savior thank you god bless you guys thank you mark thank you dan
Wow, there's a lot of people that transfer the title of their life today to Jesus, and they're now His. Isn't that a great thing? Thank you so much. And uh, would you give them a great big hand clap again for their heart and dedication for souls to use the story of their father as a catalyst to see others come into the kingdom of God. We want to receive a love offering this morning uh, to see their ministry continue to go forward following our father. And I want you to uh, take a moment before you leave. Their table's back here. They have the tracks. They encourage you to take some of those with you. There's other things that you can purchase as well. But uh, let's just pray God's blessing upon them, their ministry. If you're making out a check, you can just make one out to Abundant Life Church. We'll take and cut one check over to them and their ministry. And that you're really at this moment sowing in to the work of the Lord across our nation. Father, thank you. Thank you for the lives that were changed. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for those that accepted you today, rededicated their hearts before you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that they can start a new relationship in you today, fresh and clean. Father, I pray your blessing upon Mark and Dan, their ministry, their spouses, their family, their children, Lord, as you lead them throughout our country, Lord, to see the hearts of men and women turn to you in the name of Jesus. Father, give them increase and give them favor, Lord, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said.